All right, we've got some quack this week. I'm Rusty. That's Sean. What up? Uh, not maybe not the purest of quack. Someone uh, might have sipped. Definitely some, not. Someone might have slipped some baking soda in this. We're not sure. Um. So as everyone is aware, Oregon lost to Nebraska, thirty-five, thirty-two. It was very not chill. Like super uh, not chill. Zero cool things happened. Um, Royce Freeman is injured. We do not know the extent of it. It is not serious. Uh, at the time of us recording this, it is breaking news that uh, Devin Allen is out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, Sean has a really hot take about why Devin Allen needs to quit football. Um, and we have also just learned that uh, Tyrell Crosby is out for the year. Which is, like, even worse. So things are going great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, on the bright side, we play Colorado next week. And although Colorado is, like, pretty good, and they kept it close with Michigan, it looks like they're starting QB, Sofu Leauto. That's just how I pronounce it off the top of my head. I didn't look up the spelling. Um, it seems that he's injured. So... Could be another that would good be an issue. Learning. Yeah, that could be an issue for them. Okay, so let's let's paint a picture here of a game where Oregon rushes for 336 yards and doesn't commit a turnover, has 482 yards of offense. One would think you win that game. <laughs> One would think. One would think. But au contraire. Yeah. Um, the see the thing is, is that the. 13 penalties for 126 yards. Uh, it's really tough to win. Yeah, you commit that many penalties, give up that many yards, you're just like, you're asking to lose the game. Yeah, and it was like, it came at some of the worst times too. It, it was also just the timing of it. Yeah. And were some of the penalties questionable? Absolutely. Uh, but a general rule of thumb is uh, when you don't separate yourself enough from the other team and you put yourself in a place where the rest can decide the game, then that's kind of that's that's the risk. Yep. So it's, it's like, oh, some penalties were bad or whatever. It's like, yeah, they were, but that's always the risk if you if it's a close game. Like, that's just an assumed risk. So, um, not promising was Dakota Prukop going 14 of 23 for 146 passing yards. That is not chill. Um, this was a really weird game, play call-wise. Yeah. Um, there were some very questionable decisions. And it's not, like, I think it's important to remember that we'd like to imagine that there's no such thing as like turnover and that there's no drop off under any circumstances but this is also Lubbock's third game calling plays mm-hmm. um, and Scott Frost also had growing pains but he still uh, led the number two offense every year so I mean, this is one of those games where I feel like um, 
as someone who coaches, like, so I end up coaching a sport across like all different levels from like fifth graders to like people in college. Uh, and I work a lot with some bad teams, like some very beginner level players who are just like, like fifth and sixth grade where some of them just haven't developed that much. And I have a knack in my opinion for seeing when losing games show a lot of improvement and I think we saw Oregon may have lost by three tons of penalty yards but that was a much better game in my opinion mm-hmm. that was a sig- that was a significantly better game um, Oregon gave up a few explosion plays um, running but I think most a significant majority of the runs that Nebraska had were for less than three yards. They finished with uh, right. 4.9 yards a carry, which is slightly better than what like UC Davis and um, Virginia did. And I think it's also important, too, that like when players... When, like, the tackles did happen or they got a gain, it wasn't because of missed assignments. Like, people were there. They just weren't filling the gaps quickly enough. No one was out of place. Like, nobody was lost. Um, so, I mean, all that's, like, pretty important when you look at, like, the long term of the season, especially when you look at how young this team is. Mm-hmm. So, like, I especially looked at the depth chart, and I was like, all right, so we have, uh, especially now, it's like, okay, we have four freshmen on the offensive line, and they still plowed through for 7.1 yards a carry. Um, yeah, it's not too bad. Like, pretty much every receiver is going to be back next year. Um, and even if they don't, we have awesome receivers again because we just attract them. Uh our safety, our like our defensive backs are all going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. Our running back, or our linebackers, most of them are going to be back next year. Our defensive line is going to be back next year. So, and I also think well, there was a huge discussion in the th- in the post game threads too, which caught fire for a little bit about whether Helfrich is on the hot seat. And I feel that putting him on the hot seat, like there are concerns and everything. But I think even putting him on the hot seat is premature. And I know even the morning after, going looking at the comments again, like cooler heads had prevailed. So right, I don't it's know, all I just very key the moment time. stuff. Yeah, I just talked for a long time, so feel free to chime in on whatever you want. I think you know, I get, and this is what I always say about the loss is that you know, there's. You can never, ever, 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 ever point to just one single reason as why the team lost the game. Uh-huh. It's very easy to point fingers and say, like, oh, if we hadn't done this, then the game would have been different. So, you know, a big cause of, you know, the the big, what everyone was focusing on was, of course, the two-point conversions or lack thereof since they failed all but one of them. Yeah. And, you know, what and what the announcers were talking about the whole time as the game was winding down and you're doing the math and it's, you know, and you're looking at that 35 to 32 score, 
it's saying, okay, so if you had played traditional football and kicked the extra point after every single touchdown, we'd we'd be, you know, it'd be 35 to 35 going into overtime. Or if you, you know, like Oregon did in years past, if you go for it for two one time, you know, your first score, get the conversion and then just kick field goals the rest of the way, Oregon wins 36-35. So it's very easy to get hung up on that. And, you know, you can you can point fingers to that, but... I mean, Helfrich is going to defend that decision till the day he dies. I'll you know, defend he'll always, it. He'll, they'll, everyone will always say, you know, we had the numbers, we just didn't execute. And they're, you know, I mean, more power to them for sticking to their guns and going for it every single time, even even if it's not the quote-unquote conventional thing to do. You know, there's there's a million things that have to happen for a football game to end the way it does. And... You know, there's going to be plenty of second guessing around it, and say like, oh well, you know, what if you had just kicked it? And there's still so many other things that it's just it's one very you know it's one piece of the puzzle of of why things went wrong. And you know, unfortunately, the game was close enough where you know you could say, oh, that was that was one of the big reasons why you lost is because you felt the need to go for it for two every time. If Nebraska won that game, forty to seven. You know, or like let's you know, let's give it like a high scoring game. Let's call it like, you know, Nebraska wins like I don't know, fifty two to forty nine, uh, and the Ducks go for it every time. Or it, if it's what I'm trying to say is if, if it's like a blowout, you know, blowout loss by Oregon, um, they score a whole, whole bunch of touchdowns, but Nebraska just scores more. Like blowout loss, and it's not even close. No one's going to say, "Oh, well, if you just kick the field goals, this you know would have been different." Yeah, uh, it's just it's only getting escalated because it was such a close loss, and because you can do the math and say, "Well, if you've done this differently, then it would have wound up different." But I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't you know you can't second guess anything, and that's just that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, um, exactly. And like, look at it this way. Uh, like I know, uh, David Piper on Twitter, we had like a discussion going back and forth. Love David, founder of Addicted to Quack. It was like, yeah, it might even out over time, but it just cost this game. And it's like, well, it could have won another game. Like if all of those hit, then Nebraska has to get a whole another has to get a whole another score. Right. So, it's like if all if all those had worked, then people would be saying Mark Alfrich is a genius and. We'd be defending the two-point strategy until the day we die. Yeah. But when it doesn't work, then it's like, oh, my God, he should be fired. Yeah. And hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the important things, too, to take away from this. So, okay, so this is probably another good discussion to go into. Um, one person brought it up in the comments section, which was, like, really good. I forget who did it. Um, but they were pointing out that Oregon doesn't have like an identity on offense. Like a, as a defense, it's like okay, mm-hmm. they're blitzing heavy, like they blitz right. a lot, like they get after it, super aggressive, sometimes hit or miss, um, which I love. I'd much rather do that than uh, rush three or four every time. Not that there was anything wrong with that because nobody could beat a block. 
so it doesn't make sense to rush anybody. Uh, but like on offense, there isn't really like what what does our offense do? Do we run? Do we pass? Like with Mariota, it was kind of like just whatever. Like our offensive identity was Marcus Mariota doing cool stuff, right? Um, and we saw more and more passing because Marcus Mariota was like so perfect as a human being. Um, and I think that Oregon should really start going. We have four freshmen who averaged 7.1 yards a carry, leading the way to 7.1 yards a carry. Like, Kanai Benoit is just, like, ripping off huge runs. Brooks James is making people miss. Um, Tosh Griffin had, like, a 50-yard blowout, like, run after an interception. Mm-hmm. Or, no, after a fumble. Um, I think... Oregon should really just, like, if you go back to, like, Chip Kelly in, like, his first couple of years, like, he was just like, F you, we're going to run it 45 times. And we're just going to go after the weakest player on defense. Like, we're going to spend the first half finding out who the worst tackler is on defense. Right. And the entire second half, we're just going to run it at them, like, 25 more times. Mm-hmm. And you just, and eventually just break a team down. And I really think Oregon should get back to that, because... Dakota Prukop is excellent on play action. I know it didn't look like it uh, in Nebraska, but like looking at his college and everything, looking at his previous plays and how he can throw deep, Dakota's a whole other conversation, though. We'll get to yeah. him next. What do you think about uh, getting an identity on offense? Yeah, the team needs an identity. I mean, it's it's very tough to... You know, you need a, you need a clear plan of attack, um, and I think that maybe the team is you know one to two years away from figuring that out. Um, it's just I don't know. It's it's tough. This it's just it's so tough with the with the uh, you know doing the second year in a row of the graduate transfer thing at quarterback. Yeah, because it's like okay, we're just going to basically it's like. It's like the college version of free agency, you know. We're going to go get a player that somebody else already developed and we're going to get him at his like most prime and mature stage. And I'm really a big fan of like building like starting someone from the ground up like you know, redshirting a quarterback, having him learn and then get you know, get 3 or 4 years out of him. And obviously Oregon's hasn't really done that since Marcus Mariota. Um, and I, I do think it, you know, I, I just, I put such emphasis on needing leadership at the quarterback position. Um, and I think that when you have a, when you have two years of a, you know, an FCS transfer leading your offense, I think it makes it a little bit harder to get that identity that they're searching for. Yeah. Um. Yeah, one of the things too that has kind of been missing from the offense as a result, in my opinion, of having grad transfers come in is the lack of tempo. Like that was one of the things like Oregon was famous for. Yeah, I mean they still they still run no huddle, but it's not like it's nowhere near the kind of tempo that they used to run. Yeah. And you know that still works. Um, like Texas did that against Notre Dame and like blew them out of the water. Yeah. Um, 
Baylor does it blows people out of the water and so hopefully with uh, it also is concerning that Justin Herbert is the backup quarterback as a true freshman like a local mm-hmm. three star athlete and it's like like good for him but I don't feel like that's what's supposed to happen when we have four star like recruits in right um, exactly Like it's uh, and I know Travis Donaldson actually in like practice interviews has handled this like really well, where he's like, yeah, I have to get better. So it's one of those where it's like, okay, well, you know, he's like not, he like he takes like personal responsibility for it, which I think is important too. Like when you're, like when you're working as, uh, like we can't always be blaming the coaches for everything because sometimes you uh, can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's his job. Like, if he can't do that, it's like, okay, well, sometimes it just doesn't work out all the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And the biggest thing, honestly, is Dakota Prukop being so lazy with his feet. So lazy. It's so frustrating mm-hmm. to watch. Because um, it's like, just move your feet, do a little bit. Like, Marcus Mariota yeah, got the so- so robotic and it's just like it's all like shoulders and upper body it's like no wonder you're kind of like why it's getting a little inconsistent downfield I think one of his biggest issues is because I heard this it was on an ESPN uh, college football insider podcast where uh, Heather Denich who does like all the playoff stuff for them um, Mm -hmm. uh, was like yeah, reports are that uh, Dakota Prukop is like mentally kind of struggling with it. Like, it's kind of in his own head. And I was like, oh, man. If he's kind of in his own head, just trying to win the QB spot, like. Honestly, he probably is one of those guys that just needs to relax. Maybe a loss yeah. is going to, like, really ease him up. Right, exactly. So, yeah, he looks like one of those guys that pushes too much pressure on himself. And so, maybe this loss will help him chill out. And I mean that, like, not condescendingly. I say that word a lot. Um, So, uh, well, I'm still feeling positive about this team moving forward. Like, it sucks, but then, you know, Alabama and Notre Dame are the only two teams that are going to have a chance of winning the national championship. To be be honest, after this last weekend, they are the only teams that are, like, good. Because every other team has weaknesses. No, there, there are no great teams other than Alabama and Ohio State. Everybody mm-hmm. else has very recognizable flaws that can be yeah. easily exploited if they go against the right team. Exactly. So, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to some, some Pac-12 after dark. I think we're playing in the afternoon. Oh, man. That throws me off. It's a 2.30 game. Oh, wow. That's, what a great that's segue. Some- God, that's so nice. What a great segue. Uh, we're playing Colorado. Uh, Colorado came is coming off a loss against Michigan. Um, Colorado jumped out to like a 21-0 lead. Uh, they scored a touchdown, blocked a kick, and then scored like another touchdown, I think, mm-hmm. um, before Michigan got in the end zone. Um, they were down 24-21 at the half. Uh, and then gave up uh, 21 points to 7, and they lost 45-28. Uh, 
But that score is not indicative of how close this game was. No, it was it was very it was very close. So, uh, but you know what did the Buffs in? Going one of thirteen on third down. Yeah, that's not going to work. If you go one of thirteen, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Um, and also of note, uh, they average one point nine yards per carry. Not great. They had sixty four no. yards rushing. Um, 33 rushing attempts. Passing, they did pretty well. Um, 7.7 yards of carry, or yards of pass. Uh, no interceptions. I didn't see, when I was watching, I didn't see even any near interceptions. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, not not a bad performance. It Colorado's that team that, like, these guys are now juniors and seniors. They've been playing for three years now. Right. Like, it's been the same guys for, like, three years. So, like, they blew out Colorado State. They blew out Idaho State, which is, you know, they're not... It's not good competition, but, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Which is... Says a lot. Um, so now they're at Oregon on the 24th. Um, so, Sefo... I'm not going to try his last name. Um, it's L-I-U-F-A-U. You guys can figure it out. Um, he is uncertain for Saturday as of the time of this recording, which is Monday. Um, so I think this is another – this is going to be another really good game. I don't think Colorado's as good as Nebraska. Oregon's at home. Uh, I know uh, following Rob Mosley on Twitter that – Hofridge is getting he was very upset about the penalties mm-hmm. so because some of them were really dumb oh my god can you believe Hunt got a personal foul on like like when it was going to be third and one and then he had a dead ball penalty it's like dude you're senior yeah that was frustrating that was a that was a poor decision um I don't think he even played much after that no, it's uh, you do something that stupid, and you'll find yourself a seat on the bench there. So, man, I don't know. Maybe uh, who knows? Maybe maybe Saturday we'll see five freshmen on the on the line. Oh God, that's an adventure. Although although Jake Hansen, the center, uh, before the Nebraska game, I haven't seen any adjustments since then. Before the Nebraska game, he had he was like the only player in college football on the offensive line who had given up one QB pressure or less. So out of all the plays that he's run, the guy he was blocking only pressured the quarterback one time. That's pretty impressive. It's really impressive. So I really hope that uh, Saturday we see an Oregon squad that just runs the hell out of the ball. Like, deflate it like the Patriots. Just take the air out, <laughs> just hand it off, and call it good. Just, like, put Kniven on for, like, 20 times. Just run that's, him. That's all you need. Yeah, just, like, I think... run the heck out of that. And they did yeah. some... And to be fair, uh, they did some pretty cool blocking with Pharaoh Brown on the edge. They're he's not a great sending blocker. Out, yeah, they're not sending out... And he, he's done a lot of blocking, according to the practice reports after practice with the offensive lineman putting in extra work. And so it was really showing off, um, except he had a, one really bad hold 
that yeah. ended up forcing a fourth down that Oregon didn't convert. Um, but yeah, it's crazy because they he do, they use him to kind of be a lead blocker for um, Dakota if he pulls it. So mm-hmm. that eliminates. Okay, this might be a little nerdy, but that basically eliminates any scrape techniques by the offense uh, by the defense. Um, so he's got like a little protection. He's not just rolling out and all by himself. So, um, yeah, so a scrape is where, like, the defense decides that the defensive end is going to crash down every time and a linebacker just moves over to replace him. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like having a Royce Freeman there kind of presents a gotcha moment. So um, I'm looking for this run defense mm-hmm. to improve again. Um, I don't think, think he will be um... – I I think it's going to come down to if uh, I think it's I'm going to I'm going to just say it's Lufau. If he can't play, there. It's over. Uh, Mike, yeah, Mike McIntyre talked to reporters after practice today, and he said, "If he's moving good enough to play, we'll play him. If he's not moving good enough to play, we won't play him." Yeah, seems about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. When. When Lufau was in the Michigan game, he threw for 246 yards, three touchdowns, and Colorado was only behind by three points. Uh, redshirt freshman Steven Montez, who would be the replacement, he came off the bench against Michigan, and he missed all seven of his passes. Womp womp. Not great. Um, Not also, great. Also of note, I meant to bring this up earlier. So... In the in the game against Nebraska, Oregon was missing its best offensive lineman, so mm-hmm. number one running back. Um, it had two new starters at safety. Tyree Robinson moved to defensive back. Um, they were without uh, Die, who has been the standout linebacker, uh, and without Jalen Jelks, who is maybe one of the most impressive like speed rushers I have seen in recent memory at Oregon. Like I'm trying to remember like maybe since Dion Jordan because he I remember him against like Grandis Virginia but he put the offensive tackle on roller skates and just literally plowed him into the into the quarterback. Yeah. Like he tackled the quarterback by throwing his offensive lineman into him. Um so I mean, injuries happen to everybody, and that's just like a constant throughout. But I think Oregon playing as as well as it did mm-hmm. without all those members is a huge plus. So, I mean, looking at our schedule from here on out, um, we've got Colorado at Washington State, which is looking like it's going to be a Pac-12 after dark game. Um, and then hosting Washington. So, I mean, you've got two two games, um, two s- solid competitors. Washington State beat Oregon last year when we had the worst defensive performance I can imagine um, to go with some not great quarterback play. Um so that'll be like Colorado's. I don't think is as good as Nebraska, and then you get Washington State, which is probably a step up or about equal. And then it's the big dogs, it's, it's the, the Huskies, big one. the hype train, 
making its way to Eugene, and legitimately, you, this is like you the know, only game I'm gonna, I care about. I'm gonna be rooting for. I'm gonna be rooting for Washington every game until that one, and and then I want just I want Oregon to just like beat them by fifty, and just ruin their season. Who are they playing Nothing. next? Let me look real fast. Oh, well, they're playing Arizona and Stanford. I cheer for them to beat Stanford. I would cheer for. I'm not going to cheer for Washington. I'm cheering for Stanford to lose. There we go. I'm, I'm not cheering for them. I'm cheering for their opponents to lose. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, if there was a way that uh, both teams could just lose, I would be strongly in favor of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's just not not an option yet. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, a president on their way out could like make an amendment to the NCAA football. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, closing comments. Um, closing comments. This could be um, this could be a discussion for a future sling and quack when we had. A little bit more time, but um, unrelated to anything we talked about, uh, hot take: Devin Allen needs to just quit football forever. It's already gotten some hot. So, so there's, yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of thoughts around that. But long story short, um, he's stubborn enough to think that he can play in the NFL and be an Olympic hurdler. I don't know, like, if he watches his own, like, if he sees his stats or if he sees, like, the fact that he now has likely two torn ACLs, but I don't think he's going to the NFL anytime soon. Like, and he's already established himself as one of the best hurdlers in the world. And everyone else is like, no, man, just take the money and run with the NFL. Like, he'll get paid so much more. Spoiler alert, you can't get paid if you're not actually that good and you don't make it to the NFL. It's really you can't stay healthy. Yeah. So that's, I think that's like it's it sucks that he is hurt again. Like that's just like the worst thing to happen to someone to like tear, tear your ACL, make a comeback, look like you're good to go and then just tear another one. Like that's just awful. Yeah. But it just it's like the fact that it's not even the fact that it happened; it's the fact that both times it it happened on non-contact plays, yeah. which is I think it just means it's just going to keep happening and it's just going to get worse and worse, and he's going to jeopardize a very bright future on the track just because he's stubborn enough to think that he can do everything and like. Again, I'm I'm wishing him the speediest recovery, but I'm also hoping that this is just a lesson for him that maybe football isn't his calling. Maybe. Maybe. More on that later. Well, he'd have to come back and play football for another year if he wants to go to the NFL. He would so. have to come back and he would have to have a Heisman type season. I don't know. I think he and just then- has to come back and show he's healthy. Because I feel like someone with his speed is going to test awesome in the 40. And yeah. he doesn't have an issue catching the ball. Um, I think if he if he comes back healthy and just plays an entire season without getting hurt, I think he could be a 
maybe at best case scenario, like a sixth or seventh round draft pick or an undrafted free agent signing. Isn't terrible. Not yeah. terrible. There's but, a lot of factors to, yeah. to put together. So there's like the NFL pays more, but then the average career length is significantly shorter than that of a track star. Um, right. And it's like, also awesome he, not getting hit for money. Yeah, jumping uh, jumping over hurdles that knock over when you run through them, that seems more fun to me than getting trucked by other people in football pads. But, I mean... Maybe that's because I'm a runner and I'm not a football player, so... Yeah. Yeah, you're a runner. So, not even a sprinter. You you just run for a really long time. I, I, I just... I'm like the Forrest Gump. I just I just keep on running. Yeah. Um. All right. Athlon named uh, men's basketball the number one team going into this next year. So, that tips it's, off in about six weeks. It's okay, guys. No, No matter what happens with football this year, it's okay. We're a basketball school now. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we're a basketball school. All right, uh, that's Sean. I'm Rusty. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week.